Hey, what's up, Secret Language Heads? It's your boy, Jesse. Happy Monday. Uh, it's the first week of February, which means that I had to watch a very February-centered movie this week. Um, there's a holiday here in America, pretty obscure, something that you don't even really hear about if you're not in the second grade anymore, that we just celebrated here in America. It is called Groundhog's Day. I'm allowed to ask to watch this movie one day a year, and that is on Groundhog's Day. So Sarah was an absolutely great sport and sat down and watched this movie with me. Um, this movie came out in February of 1993. I was negative five years old. It is directed by Harold Ramis. It stars Bill Murray. Uh, it has a 72 on Metacritic and an average rating on Letterboxd of 3.8 stars. Um, this is what a lot of people would probably consider one of Bill Murray's best movies, one of his best roles, and I gotta say, I completely agree. I think this is a fantastic film, and, and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm generally not a huge fan of comedies, which doesn't mean I, I don't like funny movies or I don't find things funny, but most comedies just don't really do, do much for me, because newer comedies are just not that great most of the time. It's they're, they're really vulgar a lot of the time, and they just, I don't know, they don't really sit with me, it's just not something I try to watch. I like older comedies a lot, actually, like comedies from like the 1950s, 1960s, I really, truly love, but this, this comedy really holds up, because it's funny, I mean, don't, don't get it twisted, this movie is hilarious, but it's also really well written, and actually has a lot more going on with it. And you actually think about it going forward. Not just the jokes, not just the things that you find entertaining or funny, but there are themes and ideas in this story that really sit with you, that really make you just, you know, sit and think for a bit. Let's let's give you a little plot synopsis. That's something I guess I forgot to do. Uh, a narcissistic TV weatherman, along with his attractive but distant producer and mawkish cameraman, is sent to report on Groundhog Day in the small town of Punxsutawney, where he finds himself repeating the same day over and over. Now, here's the thing. This idea is really funny, but it's not necessarily original. Uh, there's a loose concept to this that was a short story uh, a long, long time ago called Christmas Every Day, where people relive Christmas Day every night, every day. They, they wake up, it's Christmas, and the next day... Later that night, they go to sleep, they wake up, and it's Christmas Day again. And, and Christmas Day loses its excitement. It just becomes boring and repetitive. And so this film follows a very similar idea, very similar setup, where this guy, this narcissistic TV weatherman, uh, has to report on Groundhog Day, his least favorite day of the year. Because for one thing, he he doesn't like going to this podunk town, Punxsutawney. But at the same time, he... He, he doesn't like the fact that this holiday revolves around a groundhog telling the weather based on whether or not he sees a shadow, which to him, who is a, a real weatherman, finds that awfully insulting. So he's having a bad day. He really hates it. And he, he powers through. He tries to leave, get out of Punxsutawney as fast as possible. And uh, Blizzard locks him in. He has to stay in Punxsutawney, wakes up the next day, and it's Groundhog's Day again. And he starts going through these, uh, starts having a bad time. Because he's, why am I living this same horrible day over and over and over again? 
And um, the writer says that probably a little bit uh, exaggeratingly, he probably lived through the same day for about 10 years. So 36,000 days, day after day, the same thing happens to you. Um, you can't get out of Groundhog's Day for 10 years. I mean, that is an insane concept. And it's really well written. Like, like I said earlier, um, one of the things that I find really interesting is that throughout the course of this story, Phil, which is Bill Murray's character, goes through the five stages of grief as he's, as he's reliving the same day over and over again. You, you start with denial, where he's like, wait, this can't be happening. How am I living the same day over and over again? And he's, he's imagining it like it's, it's a bad dream. He's going to wake up and it's finally going to be over and it is what it is. And it turns out, keeps living the same day over and over again. After denial comes anger. Uh, this comes, what I think is truly one of the funniest scenes in the movie, where he uh, he's walking towards Gobbler's Knob, and he runs into Ned, and he just walks right up and just decks him in the face. I mean, I think it's hilarious, because it's just, it's timed really well, it's paced really well, and it's hilarious. But there's a lot of anger coming from Phil at that point. Next comes on to bargaining, where he's trying to figure out well, maybe if I try this, then the universe will let me out of this time loop. You know, try being a good person. That's not it. Try falling in love with the producer. That's not it. Whatever it is, he, he can't seem to make it work. Uh, then comes depression, which the film does cover, but it, it really doesn't explore those themes too too much because really the film would take on a lot of a, of a darker tone because uh, it does show a couple scenes of him killing himself couple times trying trying to get out of it and every day he wakes up six o'clock in the morning groundhog's day so you get through depression and finally the film ends with acceptance which uh you know he's he's accepted it he's making the most out of every day he's trying to do good deeds for people he's just being a nice kind guy and eventually he wakes up and it's february 3rd it's no longer groundhog's day he's out of his time loop and and it all seems like cool hey that's it. But the question is, and this is part of why I think this is such a fantastic film, is because it gives you something to think about after you leave the theater. Uh, the first thing, probably the thing that I, I've thought about the most about this, and, and have not yet come to a great answer, and, and that is, why did the time loop end? What did he do? Did he do anything to make the time loop end? Like, what is it? Is it is it about acceptance? Because that doesn't really seem like that's it. If you if you go through the same day for you know an exaggerated hyperbolic ten years, all of a sudden you come to acceptance and and you're free of it. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like that's a little crazy. So you're just kind of curious as why 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 does the time loop end? Why does Phil manage to get out? And so like you get stuck thinking about that. You also start thinking about your own life. At least I started thinking about my own life. Go figure. And it's like, man, what would I do if I was stuck in the same day, just looping over and over again for 10 years? Like, that would be uh, insane. It, it makes you think about yourself as a person. Like, what would be the first part of me to come out that, you know, I really wouldn't want to be there? Would, would I really fall off into the anger or the depression or the bargaining, like it, it really kind of makes you think about yourself for a little bit. Like it's funny, but it, it kind of hits you in the face with some pretty dark, serious stuff, which, you know, 
I think good movies do. I think good movies make us think about our lives and about ourselves. And so that's pretty neat. Um, I don't know. I think it's just really well done. I really like Bill Murray in this film. I think he's really special as an actor. Um, I was surprised because I hadn't seen this in a while. I kind of forgot how, how big of a jerk he was at the beginning of this movie, like how completely egotistical and just a bad guy he was. I thought it was like, yeah, I don't like doing Groundhog's Day. I kind of hate it, but it's fine. But no, he, he the whole time he's like, I'm a celebrity. I want out of this job. I am much better than anyone here at this news station. I need to be treated that way. And he's, he's just a real jerk, like just a grade A jerk. I kind of forgot about that, so seeing that was a little alarming. It's it's a lot like his character in Scrooged, where he's just this this jerk, this horrible guy that's just not the kind of person you want to be around. But what's nice is that by the end of the movie, he does come to this acceptance, and he's doing kind things, and he's being a kind person, and he's doing things for other people, not just acting in his own self-interest. And so by the end of the movie, he does make a transformation. Even though to the rest of the world it would seem like a night and day thing, since February 1st he's a bad guy, February 2nd, all of a sudden he's really nice, and February 3rd he's a totally changed man. It seems very instantaneous to the other characters, but he's gone through this long, gradual change, which I think is kind of funny to think about. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I think it's a grade A comedy. I don't have too much to say about it. I just think the comedic bits work really well. It's, it's serious, more serious tone and writing really sets this film up to be great going forward. Like, yeah, the movie came out in 1992, so it's 30 years old now, but it's, it holds up today and it's something that I will probably watch every Groundhog's Day for the foreseeable future. It's just, it's a great movie. It's PG, but come on. Yeah, it's a 1992 PG, so it's probably some things that you wouldn't put in a PG movie today. Maybe I mean, it would be like a really light PG-13 today at most. I mean, it's... You can't argue with it. You, you can't. It's, it's just a great film. It's a real pleasure to watch. So, I had to rent it on Amazon. If you haven't seen it, in, even though it's not Groundhog's Day, you'll still enjoy it. So, like, pick it up. Pick it up. Rent it on Amazon. Watch it. Watch this movie. Form your own opinions. Uh, I promise you'll enjoy it. It's an impossible film not to enjoy. So, uh, that's Groundhog Day. In other news, it's been two weeks since I, like, live recorded an episode because I had the Nick Weaver cinephile survey on, on tab for, like, a couple weeks. This is the first time I've sat down and recorded one about a movie in two weeks, so there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on for me in my own life since then. Um, last Saturday... So not not the not the fifth, but like the last Saturday in January, uh, Sarah and I were in Bowling Green for the funeral of some friends of ours. Well, the mother of some friends of ours. Let's be very specific about this. Not our friends, but um, we were in Bowling Green for this funeral, and uh, a lot of Sarah's girlfriends were in town, and so they were all hanging out and having a good time. I did not feel like hanging out with a whole group of girls because uh. Not really my whole vibe, if you know what I'm saying. So, I had to find something to do between, like, the visitation and the service. And so I decided, I'm going to go hang out at Barnes & Noble. Because I love Barnes & Noble stores. They're my favorite stores. Just, I love them to death. 
But I was kind of in a little, kind of in the middle of a little predicament because at the time I was about 10 minutes of reading from finishing Macbeth. So I didn't really need to buy another book because I was still technically reading Macbeth. Um, well, that's fine. Just buy a book to read after Macbeth. Well, I already had that book lined up. I was going to read the third uh, installment in the Dune series, Children of Dune, which I'm currently reading right now and enjoying quite a bit. I was really surprised how much I'm enjoying those. And it's not like I even wanted to buy a book to read after Children of Dune because I already got that book picked out. Like, I, I've got a log of books that I'm trying to read. But the thing is, I still had, like, two hours I needed to kill. So I wasn't just going to walk in circles you know, poking through books for two hours at the Barnes and Noble. I needed to find something to do. And then it struck me. I asked myself, what would Patterson do? Uh, Patterson, of course, is is the, the title character of my favorite movie, Patterson, starring Adam Driver. Um, Patterson would buy a book of poems. And, and, and this was a genius idea on my part, because you can buy a book of poems, and you can sit down and read them, and you can pick the book up and set it down. There's no pressure to continue reading it, or that you feel like you have to finish the book of poems before you start reading something else. It's a perfect pick-it-up-put-it-down kind of book. That's exactly what I was in I was in business trying to find. Now the problem is, is I don't really know much about poetry. I haven't taken a poetry unit in a class setting since, like, 2018. And before that, it was even longer ago. So my knowledge of poetry isn't great to begin with, which means that my knowledge of poets is also seriously lacking. So I had to kind of find the poetry section, and I didn't really know what I was looking for. I didn't really have much of an idea of what, what I was doing. I was kind of lost, if I'm being honest. I thought, well... Maybe I'll buy a book of poems by William Carlos Williams, because, again, in the book Patterson, that's his favorite poet. And so I'm like, well, that's a good place to start. I've read a couple of his poems before. I like them well enough. Maybe I'll find something I like. And it turns out that the dinky Barnes & Noble in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, did not have anything by William Carlos Williams. So I was kind of up a creek without a banjo, if you know what I mean. So I was looking through other stuff. It's like, well, I didn't see anything by Emily Dickinson, which is like, again, how do you not have Emily Dickinson? So, Walt Whitman, I was like, eh, Walt Whitman seems a little cliche. T.S. Eliot is a little dense. Maybe I should have gone for T.S. Eliot, but I decided against it. And I was looking through all these other, you know, books of poems by poets that I've never heard of. And so I'm just kind of leafing through all the different books, trying to find something. Just does this look like I would enjoy? So I'm reading a couple poems out of these books, and it's there are some books that were like four-line poems and like art, you know, like visual art on the other page. I'm like, this is not going to kill my time for two hours. This is just, you know, it's not really my thing. And so I, I looked around, and I looked around, I started to feel a little despair, because how in the world am I going to find a book to read for two hours? And I finally found a poet that it seemed like I could vibe with. And I pulled the trigger. His, his name is Billy Collins. Um, I've got his book here. It's called Whale Day and Other Poems. It's a book that I have really, truly enjoyed. Billy Collins was a two-term United States Poet Laureate, which doesn't mean much to me because I don't really know what a Poet Laureate does. I know that they read 
poems on like inauguration day. So I, I guess that's cool. But I figured, well, president's like him, so that's cool. And then I read some of the poems in the book before buying it, and I thought, well, I like these well enough. This should be good. And so I I bought the book, and I sat down at the little cafe in the Barnes & Noble, and I just sat down and started reading it. And I gotta say, if you've never done that, if you've never just bought a book and sat down in like a public place and just read it, it's a really nice experience. Um... I'm a weird person where I, I really like being home. Like, if, if there's nothing to do, I want to be home in my apartment. It's just, like, you know, it's my home. I want to be here. But I also really like the idea of doing things in public. Like, the idea of playing chess in, like, a, in a public park sounds really fun to me. Or, you know, sitting and reading a book in a coffee shop sounds really fun. Because it's not home. Like, I'm not going to get distracted in a coffee shop reading a book the way that I would maybe at home. And so there's something kind of intentional about it that I enjoy, whatever it was. It was a really great experience for me just sitting and reading this book in, in the Barnes and Noble cafe. But as it turns out, I just also really like the poems of Billy Collins. Um, he's really humorous, which, which does make his poems fun to read because they are actually kind of funny and witty in a lot of ways. But they're also some really heartfelt, really sweet poems that that I wanted to share with Sarah and like share with other people. And so I, I've come very much to enjoy it. And it's something that I will probably be doing again here in St. Louis. Um, it's something I'd strongly recommend. Go out and, and buy a book of poems and just sit somewhere and read them. Uh, I'd like to share one with you just to give you an example. This is the poem Irish Spider by Billy Collins. It is well worth traveling this far just to sit in a box of sunlight by a window in a cottage with a steaming cup of tea and watch an Irish spider waiting at the center of his dewy web, pretending to be just any spider at all, a spider without a nation, but not fooling me for a minute. I find that really funny. Like, I really enjoy that because it's, you know, it's poetry in the way that it's like, I am sitting in this this box of sunlight watching the spider and his dewy web. But he also makes this joke about, he's pr he's making this joke about the spider being an Irish spider. Like he's like an Irish spider spy, but he's not fooling me for a minute. Like I, I can just imagine myself even sitting, you know, sitting down trying to write and I see this spider and I'm like, huh, that spider's not fooling me. I know he's an Irish spider. He's trying to pretend. I just find it funny. Like, it's it's not, you know, necessarily comedic, but I enjoy it. And there's a lot of other great poems and really help, heartfelt stuff. Uh, if you're in the mood to go out of your way to look for one, there's this poem, Sleeping on My Side, that is really sweet and really wonderful. It's something I very much enjoyed. Um, that's my recommendation for the week. Like... Go out and buy a book of poems by a poet you've never heard of and just sit down and enjoy the good time. Because I did. So that would be really fun. I really suggest it. Um, let's see. One more thing. Uh, it is Sunday as I'm recording this. And I have finally been able to watch the Watford-Burnley game from this week 
Uh, that was a game that was supposed to be played like seven weeks ago in December, and the game got canceled due to a bunch of the Burnley players having COVID, and it's it, it had been canceled like two or three times. It was like the fourth try of trying to play this game. Um, keep in mind, the last time Watford played, like two weeks ago, they got absolutely mollywopped 3-0 at home to Norwich, which put us in the relegation zone, which led the club to fire Claudio Ranieri, the head coach, and to hire Roy Hodgson as the head coach and manager of the club. Um, there are, at this point, 17 more games to play after the Burnley game. And uh, let me tell you, I was stressed sitting here watching this. Like, it's not a big deal, but Burnley is also in the relegation zone. So if we lose to them, we are doomed. Like, it is not good for the season. But I sat down and for 90, 97 minutes of play, no, sorry, 93 minutes of play, I watched, and I, with bated breath, and uh, let me tell you, I have never been happier to, to watch a nil-nil draw in my life. Like, it is, like, the stereotypical thing that Americans will say about soccer is that it's boring, because you'll sit there for, for 93 minutes, and no one scores a goal, but as a guy like me, who supports Watford, who is in the bottom of the table, getting points is awesome. We are still in 18th, which means if the season ended today, we'd still be relegated. But we're only one point behind Norwich. There are still 17 games to play, and Watford looked a lot better today than they had played in the last couple weeks. They looked in a lot better form, which means uh, things are looking up. I think Roy Hodgson is going to continue to make some good improvements, and the team will get better. Um, at least that's my hope. Uh, more importantly, though, Nil-nil draw means that Watford finally held a clean sheet, meaning that they did not concede a goal. Uh, prior to this game, I think I'd mentioned this before, maybe I hadn't, I don't know. But prior to this game, Watford were the only team in the top four levels of English football to not record a clean sheet. That That is insane. That means that every team has played at least one game where they didn't get scored on, where their defense was good enough to not let in a goal. And Watford were the only team that hadn't done that. And so finally, we proved that we cannot, we, we can allow ourselves to stop a goal. Like, that is great. That's a good start. So hopefully going forward, we can we can make the most out of that. That would be really ideal. Um, um, hopefully, the, the next 17 games go really well. I'd really hate to see Watford go down. But, you know, it is what it is. It's just soccer. It's just a game. It's just a team. It's not that important. Nothing in the world. But... I'd really like to see them, you know, play well. No one wants to root for a team that stinks, and you don't want to just watch them play poorly forever. I mean, for example, next Sunday is the Super Bowl, and the Cincinnati Bengals are playing the Super Bowl. That, that was a team that was really horrible, like, two, three years ago. And and now all of a sudden they're they're playing in a Super Bowl, and that's, like, pretty awesome. I'm not, a fo I'm not like, an American football fan, so I really don't care one way or another. But I'm here for the story. I think it's really cool that this bad team went out of their way, drafted a rookie quarterback. He's had some good, played pretty well. They drafted this rookie kicker who has now, you know, kicked two game-winning field goals in the playoffs in a row. That's pretty awesome. Like, as far as the story goes, I'm all on board for the story. That's pretty rad. So, that's cool. You know, Super Bowl Sunday and all. Um, I don't know. I think that's about all I got. Um... I'm having a good time, so. 
just hanging out in my closet recording this podcast. Uh, that's all. So I'm going to end the show now. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm going to pick out another movie again here soon. Something that I watched this week. Um, I'll, I'll try to post on Instagram to give you a fair warning so you can actually watch it before the podcast, because that's what I would like to do when I listen to movie podcasts, is to actually have seen the movie first. It does it, it increase my listening pleasure. So uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll come at you next week. And uh, until next time. Hey, what's up, Secret Language Heads? It's your boy, Jesse. Happy Monday. Uh, it's the first week of February, which means that I had to watch a very February-centered movie this week.